Sometimes it's kind of crazy when we're all in here in one room together, right? Just so you're aware while you're in here, hearing the kids and so forth, I love that, okay? So if that's anything on your mind, get rid of that because that's, that's a part of it. That's a part of being a church. That's a part of being a family. That's a part of a little bit of a chaotic uh, Sunday morning and, and a chaotic Christmas morning. We knew um, every time we come together like this as, as, as one service, it gets, it gets a little messy, right? It gets a little chaotic, but that's okay. That's all right. There's uh, life's messy. Life's messy. Your, your, your Christmas morning may be a little messy. Your Christmas holiday may be a little messy, that, that whole season. Sometimes we can get uh, a little bit too wrapped up in it. Sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming when it comes to the messiness of Christmas. But I think that, I think that it points to a very important lesson, an important lesson for every one of us. You've heard this before. This won't be on your screen, but this is the beginning of the Christmas story from Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, this is where Joseph comes to a realization. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son And you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he didn't have union with her until she gave birth to a son And he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this story that we've heard so many times. And yet it still has the same power that it has always had. It it, it has the same message of hope in life. It has the same message of love, Father. We thank you that Jesus was born. We thank you that he became the creation. And we thank you that we get to remember him here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Things get messy. Life gets messy. The silent age. No prophets. No voice. No visions. You ever notice in your, in your Bible there's a gap between Malachi and Matthew? That's 400 years right there. That represents 400 years of silence from God. 
But quiet is not the same thing as peace, I'm sure you know. There was oppression during that time and there was tyranny. There was debauchery on unprecedented scales, very much like today. There were insurrections and there were revolutions during that time. There were wars and rumors of wars. Alexander the Great had come and gone. The Ptolemies reigned and were displaced a little bit later on by the Seleucids ruling from Syria. And they came in and they placed idols all over the temple in Jerusalem in order to stamp out the Jewish people. The Maccabees, Judas Maccabeus, he appealed to Rome at one point. And when he did, Pompey arrived, crushing not only the Seleucids, but all the people of Palestine, and they never left. There were the wealthy and the powerful, there were the destitute, and there was very little in between. In the midst of all of this, there was 400 years of twisting the word and law of God to make it mean something it never meant, to be applied in ways that it was never designed for. Man had made the law into a prison instead of the guardian it was always meant to be. There was sin, there was corruption, there was death, there was murder, there was fear, and there was uncertainty, and it was all over the world. This is what Jesus was born into. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Many Christmases can be just like that, can be messy, and perhaps most are. But I think perhaps it's a fitting reminder that at Christmas time, Jesus came into a messy world to save messy people. You're a messy person. I'm a messy person. And Jesus showed up specifically to save messy people. We find ourselves today not terribly unlike those before the first Christmas. We long for the return of Christ. It's going to be scary. I don't care if you're saved or not. It's going to be scary. Yet it's going to be good. We long for His return to bring His kingdom to its fullest glory. The kingdom is established. It was established at the resurrection of Christ. Yet even now, you know as well as I do, the tares grow with the wheat. We long for the return of Jesus to make it complete. Those before us longed for someone to establish this kingdom, to make peace again, to give hope again. Someone who would give meaning to the messy. And there was one, they were told, they were told year after year, age after age, there was one that was going to come along who was going to give meaning to the messy. There was one who was going to be the holy and anointed one of God. By the way, that's what Messiah means. The holy and anointed one of God. Specially anointed for a specific purpose. This wasn't just a Messiah. This was the Messiah. There's many Messiahs throughout the Old Testament. David is called a Messiah when he was anointed. But this is the Messiah. And we use this term every day when we say the word Christ, Christos. That's the Greek form of Hebrew Mashiach, Messiah, the specially anointed one. You see, in the Old Testament church, there were three anointings. There were the anointings of prophets, 
the anointing of priests, and the anointing of kings. And then Jesus showed up. What fear we felt in the silent age, 400 years can he be found watching and waiting, looking for the Messiah to come. This Messiah would be hand-picked, specially chosen by the Father to come in and rescue a fallen world. And how long was creation waiting for this Messiah? Isaiah tells us of his coming 700 years before Christ, yet he did not see him. Daniel had a vision of him. David prophesied about him. Moses told us a prophet would one day come that we were to listen to. Abraham was told by God that the whole world would be blessed through you, yet none of them received what was promised. This is what Hebrews says. They were all commended for their faith, but none received it. Yet we waited longer still, all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 3, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and... You, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel, speaking to the serpent. Jesus is going to come along and he's going to crush the head of evil. And then on Christmas, the Messiah showed up. He didn't show up as a military conqueror. He didn't show up as an economic genius. Who will it be? Huh? What person will God raise up to be like Melchizedek or Abraham? Moses or David? What prophet will he raise up to be like Elijah or Jeremiah? What priest like Aaron? None of these. God will do it himself. That's what Emmanuel means. The Messiah is specially anointed. Emmanuel means God with us. God among us. Matthew 1, 22 through 23, you've heard this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said. Through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Do we understand the implications of that? The depth of that? The creator of you and me, the creator of all of reality, with literally every, everything under His power, did not send an emissary to you. He did not send a representative. He did not send an angelic being. He did not send any created thing. God Himself became the creation. It's hard for us to notice, to recognize, to even envision the size, scope, and power of God. But in so doing, he fulfilled that final and eternal role of prophet, one who speaks the word of God, priest, the intercessor for mankind before God, and king, the one who rules as sovereign. How would you like to become anything that you've created? How would you like to become anything that you have built? What would you lose in doing so? Or rather, what would you have to give up? What would you have to deny? How much do you have to love a thing to deny the very aspects of your own life and become that created thing? How much do you have to love it to deny all the power that there is to be 
scoffed at, humiliated, and ultimately killed for this thing that you've created. That's love unprecedented. That's love unparalleled. The fact of the incarnation lies in the ever-existing one putting aside his eternal glory to become man. From the infinite position of the eternal Godhood to the finite limitations of manhood, Philippians 2, and your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By the way, he made himself a human being. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I said that on Christmas the Messiah came. I said that on Christmas Emmanuel showed up, but the truth is it wasn't Christmas then, it was just a regular day. It had the same trials, the same problems. It had the same joys, the same tears, the same journey then as we're on now. The first Christmas was just as messy as any other day. So Messiah and Emmanuel needed to be more, needed to do more than just appear. This Emmanuel needed to help. He needed to teach. He needed to show the way of life. So the king of everything would grow to become a shepherd. A shepherd. Not a shepherd of sheep, but a shepherd of man. Though he rightfully refers to his people as sheep, as he begins his ministry in Matthew chapter 9, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. John chapter 10, as he's interacting with Pharisees, They tell him, they ask him, they say, look, if you're the Messiah, just tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you didn't believe me. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. The King of the universe, your shepherd, my shepherd. There were wolves about, as there are today. But this child would lead us in paths of righteousness for his name. He would make us lie down in green pastures and lead us beside quiet waters. He would restore our soul. And one day he would restore everything. Sheep, though, have a mind of their own. And occasionally they go astray, though they still need a shepherd. They disobey. They stray towards danger, towards destruction. They even stray towards death. Sheep are not particularly bright. I'm reminded of Joe's message years ago. I'm saying not particularly bright. I think he said they're just plain old dumb. Sheep stray. So this baby would need to be a king, he would need to be a shepherd, and he would need to be something even more. 
he would need to be a savior of those sheep. Isaiah chapter 53, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The small things I'm fascinated by. The small things like a helpless baby that God uses to make great big changes. This little baby in a barn was God's rescue mission for all of humanity. And He planned it from the very beginning. Last week, I wondered, and maybe you wonder these things, but as we were talking last week, I wondered some of these things. I wonder how much Mary and Joseph knew about Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry, what He was going to go through for you and me as they gaze upon their child. You know, the Bible records a lot of things, but not everything. It doesn't record every detail. It doesn't record every spoken word. Simeon told them that a sword was going to pierce Mary's heart, but I I wonder if she fully understood what that meant one day. I wonder when Jesus took his first steps Did they know that he would walk someday through the streets of Jerusalem with a cross on his back? I wonder when he said his first word, did they know that those words were the very foundation of life? That in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God? When he cried his first tears, did they know that he would one day weep over the city of Jerusalem? I wonder if Joseph taught Jesus how to build, how to create. When he did, I wonder if there was a small grin on Jesus' face as the very wood itself was created by him. Again, I wonder as Mary healed and bandaged and kissed his first skinned knee that one day he would heal her very soul and that he would raise people from the dead. I wonder how long Mary and Joseph tried to protect Jesus from a messy and dangerous world. I wonder how he reacted when his dad died. Was it a deep feeling of loss and grief, or did Jesus see this as one more enemy that he was going to defeat? Because that's why this child came. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus came to defeat the undefeatable. Death itself. I still hear, church, today in this world, people terrified of death. The only ones who are not terrified of death are those who acknowledge that Jesus gives life or those who are completely ignorant of a life after death. Most are consumed by an incredible fear, paralyzed by what they consider to be the unknown, unsure if there's even life after death. And if there is... Am I good enough? Well, be at ease. We've talked about this many times. You're not. Neither am I. Not anywhere close. Church, that's the whole point of Christmas. That's the whole point of us being here. To recognize that we're not good enough, yet we get to live eternally with Jesus. That's why we celebrate 
to ensure that there is life after this body gives out. Jesus was here to be the one who is good enough. This baby is your representative. He was born to stand for you. By the way, he was born to stand for you before who? God? He is God. Put your mind at ease. He is the very God that he stands before. He is your advocate. You see, he knew this. He even told the Pharisees, I am. I am that I am. He knew he was Yahweh. Yahweh becomes you and me on this day to live the life we cannot live, to accomplish what we cannot accomplish. And don't think for a moment he wasn't aware of this. This child grew to know full well that he was God and that he was the very creator of life. John chapter 8, before your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. The Pharisees say, what's the matter with you? You're not yet 50 years old, they've said, and you've seen Abraham? Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was, I am. You may have read that before, 1,500 years before. Moses at the burning bush, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites, I am has sent you. Church, Jesus was there at the beginning. He was there at creation. He was there at every step in between. And for some reason, 2,000 years ago, at the culmination of the ages, He chose at that moment to become His creation. He lets us live. He lets us live, continue. He lets us live for another 2,000 years so far. He lets us to enjoy what we call life, but 2,000 years ago, I am became you, became me. And he did it as a baby. Again, the culmination of the ages. This is where everything before and everything after boils down to one moment, one life, one piece of history. Church, Christmas, the birth of Jesus, Easter, the death and resurrection of Jesus. You have to understand when you leave here today, that is your life. Everything about your life, everything about your loved ones, everything about the job that you have, everything about the things that you earn, everything the things you work for, everything that you, you, you eat, you experience, everything is based upon Jesus at the culmination of the ages. And it's a gift to you and me. You have the opportunity not only to experience it yourself, but you have the opportunity to pass that same gift on to someone else. That every day you wake up, you realize that you have eternity to live. Christmas is your meaning. It is your purpose. It is your salvation. Jesus gives every moment, every decision, good or bad, tremendous value. He gives every decision you're ever going to make 
tremendous significance. This is not just a season of celebration. It is, as we said last night, a celebration of your life as well. That's what Christmas means. And that's what Christmas is. So what if you're a little messy? So what if we're a little messy? God knew that. And He did it anyway. God knew that your life was messy, so He sent the Messiah. And the Messiah has arrived. Emmanuel, God with us, even a part of His creation. Our shepherd who loves us and lays down his life for his sheep. A savior who raises us from the pit of death. And Yahweh, Yahweh himself to pull messy people up to the very throne of God. Jesus came into a messy world to save messy people. That's you. That's me. And you know what else you and I are? Immortal souls. Living forever. In the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We don't buy it. We don't earn it. We simply accept. The love that a father has. For his children. I hope. That as you reflect upon. Your own life. Whether you consider it messy or not. As we've been talking about. Actually for quite a while. Through the years. I hope that you will accept the gift of life and forgiveness and love from Jesus. I hope that you will never assume that you have to fix yourself, that you have to make everything right again before Jesus can love you. I hope that you understand that Scripture very rarely ever, if ever, talks about getting it right or getting it perfect. But time after time after time, Scripture talks about perseverance. Just keep walking. Just keep going in this incredible life and this incredible gift of love. I hope you have a Merry Christmas. We're heading to Florida, so I'll have a Merry Christmas too. (laughs) Let's thank God for this time. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you gave Jesus to us. We thank you that he was born to us. Father, tomorrow life's going to happen. And we need to remember. We need to remember that we have an eternal life. That, that all the stuff that we struggle through, all the messiness that we go through, amounts to nothing compared to this incredible glory that's going to be revealed in us as we stand before your throne. Father, tomorrow, help us to remember gratitude. Help us to remember that you love us. Help us, Father, tomorrow to remember that we ought to take on the same role, the same example of Jesus as we interact with people around us that we do get to celebrate, that we do get to experience the joy of Christmas time, whether it's the end of December or the middle of July, that we get to have hope because of the birth of Jesus. We get to have hope because of the life and ministry of your Son. We get to have hope because of the death of your Son. And Father, we get to have hope because He lives. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you 
for this meaning and this value that you've given every person in this room. Amen. Please stand and sing. isn't over yet. You still got at least the rest of the day, but you got all the time. You got every day, and I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas. We are, as I mentioned, going to see uh, my in-laws, so I won't be here this week. Uh, Cody and Laura will, and you can talk to them. Mike and Jill are probably watching right now, so we're heading your way here in just a uh, couple of hours. We'll see you. Today, or this week, this year, guys, you're going to run into, maybe tomorrow, you're going to run into messy people. Okay, whether it's a friend or a family member, 
a coworker, a stranger, or a mirror, you're going to run into a messy person. Realize that Jesus loves that person, that he died for that person, and he died for you, that he became what you are. And that's, that's the beauty of Christmas. Let's thank him one last time as a body. Father, we do thank you. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you that Jesus was born and that he was about your business all the way to the cross. That he did not stop, that he did not give up, that he did not give us what we deserve, but he gave his life instead. Father, help us to recognize and realize the significance and importance of that life that Jesus gave. Perfection. Perfection. Representing every person here. Thank you for that tremendous Christmas gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, the problem